Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again this week. Uh, we are finally in the Book of Mormon, and uh, I'm so excited to be there. We're here today with, again, uh, Sister Becca Harvey. Becca, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you back. Um, I'm excited to be in the Book of Mormon. It's, it's my favorite one to teach. I love reading in the New Testament about Christ and learning from Christ directly, um, but the storyline of the Book of Mormon is so interesting to me, and there's so much... Uh, obviously, that that is uh, central to our, our faith that's here. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It'll be kind of fun. Anything you want to report on in your life between <laughs> last time we had you and now? Anything different? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I, um, we are recording in my classroom today, and it's that's the right. first time we've been able to record in my seminary classroom, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's anything. You're getting close to being done with school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four months. That's crazy. And a master's in? Counseling. Counseling. Mm -hmm. So um, Sister Harvey uh, teaches at the seminary that my, my own children go to and has my oldest son in an adaptive needs classroom. Yes, but to clarify, your son does not have adaptive no. needs. He's a mentor. <laughs> he does, right. Um, but he is a, a mentor here and just loves what goes on in this room, and uh, it smells like cupcakes. Yes, it does, because <laughs> I have a testimony of deodorant and air fresheners, because I work with teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, congratulations on getting done with school, and uh, and maybe there'll be more to report on down the road. So Yeah. Okay, well, let's jump in. We're we're the Book of Mormon today. We're going to cover uh, the introductory pages of the yeah. Book of Mormon, and, and just before you take over, I am looking at a uh, triple combination. That's my set, and so there actually are two contents pages in mine. One goes th clear through the uh, the entire triple combination, and then the, the next one goes through um, the just the, the Book of Mormon itself. Um, so if you're if you're starting in and list and looking at a triple combination, just be aware that there's two different contents pages, um, and so we will start um, a, a kind of our our study, I think, on the the account page, mm -hmm. right? The the says the Book of Mormon, an account written by the hand of Mormon. Yep. And uh, is that where you want to start us today? Sure. Okay, take us in. Let's uh, yeah. let's look at it. So I do think. The, one of my first times on the podcast was at the beginning of the New Testament. Okay. And I am very bold in my declaration of love for the New Testament sure. because I feel like it's so easy to find Jesus because yeah. you're just walking with him. You get right. to see every miracle. You get to hear what, you know, you hear his voice in a sense really clearly. Um, and so when you asked me to be the first speaker for Book of Mormon, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure that I love the Book of Mormon. Don't get me wrong. But I know people that... They just adore the Book of Mormon. They love everything yeah. about it. And, and I hope to be able to speak yeah. like that someday. But I don't even know the Book of Mormon as well as I know the New Testament sure. in some ways. And sure. so as I've been looking and considering my time in the Book of Mormon, um, 
I just want to start out with some excitement. Yeah. Like we are in the Book of Mormon and what an exciting year to be a learner yeah. in the gospel and to study the ministry of Christ in the Americas yeah. and um I'm just I'm excited for this this year and this study and I think what an amazing opportunity to bear testimony of something that sets us apart from other churches. Right. Yeah. This year we've made connections with other churches and and seen how many ways what we study is what they study. Yeah. And this year we we are studying similar truths but in a different book and I think that is going to give us some really cool opportunities to teach and testify that are unique to the Book of Mormon, yeah. um, different than the Bible. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I feel the same way. Uh, the, the Book of Mormon and the New Testament are um, so compatible in so many ways. Um, and I think if you're looking to learn about Christ's life, obviously we're going to go to the to the New Testament in a lot of ways. But, but even then, there's so much that was revealed to prophets and apostles on the American continent about Christ's life that we can... We can get glimpses of it in the Book of Mormon there too, and I, I just really am grateful for the added insights that we gain from his life. Um, but additionally, the the deeper uh, doctrinal conversation that happens in the Book of Mormon, um, because you get you get prophets who are expounding on a principle rather than teaching a group of people with a whole bunch of principles all at the same time. Um, you know, very rarely. Maybe in some of the um, analogies and allegories and things like that we get in the New Testament, we get some depth in by principle. But so often there are four or five principles discussed in any given chapter, especially towards the latter part of the, the New Testament, oh, yeah. right? And now we get into storyline, which I think is different. Um, but we also get uh, a dad teaching his son who he's concerned about a, a very linear kind of thinking um, mm -hmm. that is a little different and uh, maybe a little deeper in some ways. Yeah. Helps us understand. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the uh, title page of the Book of Mormon. Hand of Mormon upon the plates taken from the plates of Nephi. And um, take us into this, into this little two-paragraph script here. Yeah. So the first paragraph's great, but I'm actually going to take you right into the second paragraph okay. that talks about the three points and the purposes of okay. the Book of Mormon. Cool. Um, and if you look at the, oh, I'm looking at paper scriptures, which I think it looks different on your phone. Sure. But there is like a dash in the sentence. Okay. It says, heaven dash, which yeah. is to show. Okay. We're going to start there. And we're going to go all the way until it says Jesus Christ. So we were just talking about Tower of Babel and you know, yep. groups of people that have come from there. Brother of Jared, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then it's going to list these three points got it. that are the purposes of the Book of Mormon. What, what this book is to accomplish. It says, to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. What, what has he done for them that, that are so great? And then second, that they may know the covenants of the Lord. And then third, to the convincing of the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. Mm. So the house of Israel, the miracles, the beautiful things that the Father has done for mm. the fathers. Yeah. Right? That family history, that the, the genealogical blessings that we see, the blessings of keeping our covenants and what they teach us about the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the convincing of all of God's children that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. Well, and, and the next that next part of that line, the eternal God manifesting himself unto all nations, right? Mm -hmm. that, that he is not just the Christ of the, 
of Jerusalem or of the New Testament. He's the Christ of all of the world and all of the peoples that live on the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's wonderful. I might, I might po point us back to the first paragraph only because it ties to what the purpose was, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because the second paragraph seems to me to be... Um, kind of the holistic view of why this was preserved by God to given mm -hmm. to be given right that that it's so that we can learn about our fathers uh, know the covenants of the Lord and know that Christ is the Christ of the whole earth mm -hmm. but if we go back to the first paragraph it's an abridgment of a record written by the people of Nephi written to the Lamanites so I think if you're Nephi in first Nephi I don't know that you you get that you're writing to your Nephi your Lamanite brethren down the road right mm -hmm. But that's ultimately what they were writing to, who are a remnant of the house of Israel and also Jew and Gentile. Written by way of commandment, sealed up and hid up unto the Lord. Sorry, I skipped a line. Um, <clears throat> by prophecy. Unto the Lord, and this is a reason, that they may not be destroyed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? I mean, like, I, th I think it's, it's so interesting that, that the prophets were writing to their future posterity mm -hmm. so that they won't be destroyed. And I think Nephi even was that way, right? He was mm -hmm. writing so that they could preserve the story, that they could preserve the principles that were found in the scriptures and in, in their experiences and revelations they were having, mm -hmm. that their children might not be destroyed. And I think we'll get into that when Nephi starts talking about why he was writing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, early yeah. on in the book. But even what comes right next, to come forth by the gift and power of God mm -hmm. unto the interpretation thereof, sealed mm -hmm. by the hand of Moroni, and hit up unto the Lord to come forth in due time by way of the Gentile. Yeah. The interpretation thereof by the gift of God. Yeah. Like, not only is this book a gift, but the fact that it was able to be interpreted is a gift. The fact that we have access to it is a gift. How often do we view the ability, not even just this book, but the ability to have access to this book as a gift? Mm-hmm. That practice of gratitude, I think that we're just coming off the tail end of with, with Thanksgiving being, we just re were recording this like two weeks after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. And I think that same attitude of gratitude follows into the Christmas time and then into New Year's, right? We're so grateful for the opportunity to start again and have a fresh start. Mm -hmm. This book is just as much of a gift as anything. And, and without it, where would we be? Well, yeah, and I appreciate that. I, I think there's a, there's a, oft misunderstood or maybe just missed line in there that you just read that the book was to come forth by the gift and power of God. We very easily ascribe that to Joseph in the translation process, right? Mm -hmm. That that's how it was, was given. But then the next part of that sentence is unto the interpretation thereof. Yeah. So, so not only do, did Joseph receive it that way, you and I are supposed to interpret it by the gift and power of God as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, the storyline teaches some very clear and basic principles, but but I, I think the ultimate objective is for those principles to be twisted and turned and the Spirit to be able to teach me at a different point in my life something different from the same story, right? And that, again, that's probably true for all Scripture, but for sure, uh, because the Book of Mormon translated by the gift and power of God as the most correct book of any book, which we'll get to, um, but but maybe has more power than even the New Testament, which you and I both love, yeah. um, to, to help us receive spiritual direction and revelation in our life. Well, and I think that speaks to um, a powerful truth about the gift that it is. There isn't another book that comes with a gift like that mm -hmm. to understand. And myself included, some people really struggle to understand the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And... The Book of Mormon is the same for me. It is not, 
I love I love when people testify like the Book of Mormon is so easy to understand, yeah. and I always felt kind of like not for me, yeah. you, not for me, and I felt kind of dumb or like mm-hmm. like maybe I wasn't doing something right. But I found that when I read the Book of Mormon, even when the words on the page are still hard for me. The truths that I learn through the Spirit mm-hmm. come easier yeah. than when I'm reading other books, even sometimes the New Testament that I understand linguistically faster than the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. The truths don't actually come off the page faster than when I read mm-hmm. in the Book of Mormon, and I think that's an interesting thing that I've just noticed in my own study is that there really is a gift and a blessing when we read the Book of Mormon that is understanding of truth. Yeah. Regardless of maybe your experience with the words on the page. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. There is definitely more of a storyline to follow in the Book of Mormon than there is in the New Testament, yes. maybe, right? Yes. And so maybe that's why some, myself included, maybe flock to the New Testament because the story is fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Book of Mormon, there's a you got to follow it to keep up, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. Let's uh, let's take. I want to take the first sentence from this and turn the page. So okay. the first sentence says, "Wherefore it's an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi." And I want to turn the page because the next page is the contents page. And so if we're talking about an abridgment or a shortened, a shortened down version, right, we know that um, at the very end, Mormon is given all the records, goes to a cave and there's all these records, and he's got to figure out how to put them all into, into a place, right? So just for those of you that are listening in your car, don't pull your scriptures out and look at this, but for those that are, that are, are willing, pull scriptures out and just look. First Nephi through Omni would consist of what? Uh, Mormon saw in what was called the small plates of Nephi, and then the then the words of Mormon is inserted in there. That is kind of his explanation of what he did, and he he just kind of pauses, and now all of a sudden the narrator's like, okay, here's what I'm doing. I, I just took the small plates, or yeah, the small plates, and I wrote that story out, and now I'm going to take the large plates. I'm going to write that story out, and then he gives his own experience in the Book of Mormon, the actual Book of Mormon. And then he includes the book, the the book of Ether, the brother of Jared, I, the Jared's brother of Jared's story, and then Moroni gets to write his own because he's now taken it from his dad and is going to hide it. Right. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, this is kind of the record of three different books with Mormon's insertions here and there, and Moroni at the end. Um, the other thing I'd just say before we uh, move on is I think that as we read this. And as you go through the Book of Mormon, you, recognizing that Mormon is the narrator. And so occasionally you hear the narrative voice come in uh, to get you from one place to years later, maybe. There's also some interesting things that happened that had to have happened in the process of writing, right? As Mormon's sitting there and he's reading the Book of Lehi, which we don't have, and the 116 pages there, and he but he, he put it in, right? He wrote it and put it in the, in the gold record. And then he gets to Nephi's experience where he had written it down. And then he's now looking at it like the third time going, why am I writing this the three times, right? Well, ultimately, God knows that Nephi needed to write it down because Lehi was going was gonna to get lost with 116 pages, right? But Mormon also had to know the same thing. He also had to feel like, I need to include this like a whole bunch of times. I don't know why. But so there's more going on than just uh, Mormon grabbing some pages and clamp, clamping them together in a book and, and calling it good. He, he very carefully went through and compiled this um, and abridged it in a way that was very much what the Lord wanted. And I think that's just evidenced by 
how often he's a, he's a narrator in it and how much he would have had to have done in order to include those types of things multiple times. Yeah. So we have them today, right? 1,000%. I think if you're a visual person or even if you just want to have a better idea of the storyline of the Book of Mormon, it could be helpful to invest in um, a timeline yeah. that lists out the the chronological order of the books sure. because they don't actually totally go in this order and to follow the storyline, it's been helpful to me to have that available as I'm reading so that I know where the different pieces of the puzzle fit. Right. Because Mormon had a purpose and how we put it together. Yeah. And the truths do add on each other that way. Yeah. But to understand the storyline chronologically has been super helpful for me to understand just like comprehensively what's going on. Yeah, and I, I would go farther than that and say, don't just get one of the bookmark ones that like it stacks mm -hmm. all on top of, because that doesn't That's help That's not me. helpful. For me, it has to be linear from left to right. I need to see the whole time frame together. Yep. The bookmark one, like when it gets to the end of the bookmark, just wraps it all up on the top, and that, did, at least for me, yeah, visually doesn't help. I just, I feel like we're going back in time or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get the so, long kind. You yeah. can just... I don't know what we're allowed to send podcasts, but we just like go on Pinterest or something, yeah. or there's got to be some lady on Etsy that's like made really <laughs> cute ones or yeah, something. Right. There will be something it's worth investing in, yeah. especially as we're going to study this this whole year. Yeah. You're going to be studying it at home and in church, and to be able to have some like real context to stand on is genuinely really helpful when you're studying yeah. the Book of Mormon. Yeah. I also like that, the, just since you touched on it, what we're going to be doing at church and what we're going to be doing at home are very similar. It's the mm -hmm. same structure, basically. The teacher at church doesn't get more than you get at home. Yeah. Um, it's, it's literally, let's talk about the same things from day to day. Before we leave the contents page, just one more thing, and this just by way of invitation to actually study. I think too often in our life we get to reading scriptures and that's all we do is we just read. Mm -hmm. And we kind of blow through from verse to verse and we get to the end of the chapter and for some reason we think, I'm done, I read a chapter. I don't know the last time I read a book, like a, I don't know, Harry Potter book, where I got to the end of the chapter and was like, done for the night, put it away. Usually I get to the end of a chapter, I'm like, hmm, what what's next? next? I need to keep reading, right? Yeah. But we've gotten so structured in our, in our I'm doing air quotes, reading, that we, we kind of put it in a box and say, once I've read this much, then I don't have to read anymore. And I think when we get to that point in our life, we're misunderstanding and, and maybe even misrepresenting reading to ourselves um, and what we're supposed to be getting. So I'm, I'm saying that in this, in this context because of the last thing on the contents page, which is the pr pronunciation guide. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that very many people ever go there, but it, in the paper set, it's page 533. It's going to be in, uh, in the digital set as well. But, but I really would just invite you to, when you get to words that you think you know how to pronunciate, enunciate, but you haven't really done that correctly or you're not quite sure, go look because it's pretty clear. Um, what what those words are and how you ought to be speaking those. It's it's one of the very few places we have of a pronunciation uh, guide given to us in Scripture. Mm -hmm. Some of the Old Testament places, I'm like, well, whatever. You just get close and it's good enough, right? Mm -hmm. But but here we actually have the we have it there. So so take some time. Go use it as a study resource and mm -hmm. and clarify what you're reading when you're reading. Yeah. I think the other part of that, and we keep coming back to this, but it's when you understand what's going on yeah. contextually, not just the truths mm -hmm. that you want to keep reading. Because it is a storyline and you get invested in people and their stories and their conversion. Yeah. So if you read a chapter and you get to the end and you're like, I've identified some truth, but I don't actually know who these people are, how they're interacting with each other, yeah. where they're at. 
take some time. Go into the seminary manual. Go to the institute manual. Google it. If you just go to the guide to the scriptures and type in a name, it will break down each chapter contextually for you. And then all of a sudden it comes to life. And it's worth taking that time. If you're going to study the same thing five times a week, take one of those days at the beginning to set the stage. Because that is like the perfect trampoline moment for... The rest of your week study because all of a sudden now you have painted this picture in your mind that everything can exist within mm. and then there's going to be this deeper desire yeah. because you know it's happening. I really love that and I would, I would expand that to say when they reference something that you know is in the New Testament or the Old Testament, that for sure in the Old Testament, you ought to go and refresh yourself on that. For example, when you get to Second Nephi and we're talking about all the stuff that, that Nephi is quoting from Isaiah, if you don't understand what's in First and Second Kings, you will not understand those chapters. But if you go refresh yourself on First mm-hmm. and Second Kings, those chapters make so much more sense. That what's, what's been going on for Isaiah, mm-hmm. what he's seeing and prophesying of in the future, but is referencing what's gone on in the past. I think is so, so important in order to understand what you're even reading. And then similar things that Nephi names some prophets that are living around him and his dad in Jerusalem. Go and study them a little bit and figure out, okay, what was they, what were they saying? Was Lehi saying the same types of things? Mm-hmm. Immerse yourself in, in their world a little bit more mm-hmm. and you'll have a different experience with them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that counsel. Okay, and again, before we, we're, we're going to be in the introduction now. Um, before we get there, I, uh, I would just invite you not to have the Come Follow Him podcast be the only thing you do in a week, right? That, that we ought to be in your scriptures and, and studying and learning on your own. And, and uh, hope, we hope that you're having your own spiritual experiences and that we're just supplementing some things here and there. But, but that, that's ultimate goal, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, having your own experience in the scriptures is something that no one can take away from you and that no one can give to you. Yeah. And um, it will change your life. Yeah. Love it. So we're into the introduction. This is not scripture. This is something that the church has put together just to kind of describe um, what the Book of Mormon is in its entirety from beginning to end. Um, and so that said, I, mean, I say that because there's a couple of things that have changed over the course of, I don't know, the last 10 or 15 years that we'll touch on here, but uh, jump us in, into the introduction. Yeah, so the first two paragraphs talk about... <coughs> Thank you. The first two paragraphs talk about the logistics, the context of where and when. And then we get to the third paragraph that starts out the crowning event. So if you have your paper scriptures, I would go there personally and highlight this or underline this. Um, But it says this. It says, The crowning event recorded in the Book of Mormon is the personal ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ among the Nephites soon after his resurrection. It puts forth the doctrines of the gospel, outlines the plan of salvation, and tells men what they must do to gain peace in this life and eternal salvation in the life to come. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading that today, I was reminded just how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. And then my mind started to think about the similarities between the New Testament and the Book of Mormon. In the New Testament, we start out with Christ in, mm-hmm. the, in the Gospels, and then he dies, and we're with the prophets and mm-hmm. apostles until the end. Yeah. 
and they do their best and they teach us and they testify and they rely on their experiences with Christ during his life to teach us and that personal revelation. Well, the Book of Mormon is set up almost the same, but just flopped, mm -hmm. flip-flopped. We're with the apostles and prophets until third Nephi. Yeah. And then Christ is with us. Yeah. I mean, so it's just flip-flopped. And I just think how powerful is that, that we get to, we still are with Christ. Like so often in the past, I've been like, I love the New Testament because we're with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, hold on, Becca. Yeah. We're with Jesus in the Book of Mormon too. And I love that the first however many books prepare us to meet him mm -hmm. in third Nephi. Yeah. That by the time you get to third Nephi, you've been taught the plan of salvation. You've mm -hmm. been taught the atonement of Jesus Christ. You've been taught the commandments. Yeah. You've been taught all these things. It almost like models life. Yeah, yeah, and, and then it, you meet him. Yeah, and it's it goes so far as to say Christ is so important that when he comes, all these things we're talking about won't matter anymore. These laws that we're living, that we're teaching about, that we're teaching our children about, none of these things are going to stay because Christ will fulfill all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so it's a wonderful representation of how we should be waiting for a higher and holier law, mm -hmm. recognizing that, I think about like home teaching, I don't know. When, when we were doing home teaching, I, I don't know that anybody was thinking, I can't wait for like a higher and holier way to do this because like ministering would be so much so better, easy. right? This is so easy. Home teaching so yeah, easy. Yeah, but, but ultimately everything we do in the church, until it's done perfectly, mm -hmm. is going to be improved, yeah. right? And, and I think that's what the prophets in the early part of the Book of Mormon knew was we're doing it this way right now, but when Christ comes again, he's going to tell us how to do it better. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lesson just in that concept to learn. Um, but I think it, it can be a fun way to look at those scriptures as you read too, is, oh man, what are they living? And they, they totally got, this is not the highest and holiest way, mm -hmm. but we're going to keep doing this because this is the way we've been taught. Yeah. Right? And, and there's, there's all kinds of principles and, and, and uh, things about steadying the ark and all kinds of stuff we could talk mm -hmm. about right here. But, but I, I just really appreciate that, that whole idea um, I think the, you know, that second paragraph does such a good job of just describing very quickly, here is kind of the principles behind what the Book of Mormon is going to teach. This is all the stuff that's in there. Um, the first paragraph, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth paragraph, they all give kind of the chronological structure of the Book of Mormon, uh, how it happens. I, I'll just point to one thing in the first paragraph. Uh, speaking at the end of the Book of Mormon, after thousands of years, all, or speaking of the Lamanites, were destroyed except the Lamanites, and they are among the ancestors of the American Indians. If you're looking from uh, a set of scriptures that's pre-2015, it would say they are among the principal ancestors of the American Indian. That's what mine and, uh, and And we know that from some research done in our day, in modern day, that, that, that they may not be principally the the ancestors, um, but they're amongst them. They're, they're definitely part of the group discussed there. And again, this not being scripture, it's totally fine that that would be changed and altered as we've gained more information. Um, so when you see things like that and then the, the world flips out about it because we've changed the Book of Mormon. No, we haven't changed the Book of Mormon. We've changed how we describe the Book of Mormon. Yeah. But the Book of Mormon itself has stayed. I might point to, um, let me see, the paragraph that starts, we invite all men everywhere. There's a promise in here that I think is really cool. And, and if you were going to go here, then, then I'll let, I should let you take it. No, but, no, no, take it. But, but maybe um, there's, there's three things that you're asked to do. 
and this is uh, Moroni's promise as well, but read the Book of Mormon, ponder it in your hearts, the message it contains. So there's second thing, read it, then ponder it, then ask God. There's the three things. The Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if the book is true, the Moroni promise says, if the book is not true, and it's maybe old English language in speaking about the same thing, but I think it's okay to ask, is this directly true? Is this something I should follow? And then this promise, those who pursue this course and ask in faith will gain a testimony of its truth and divinity by the power of the Holy Ghost. I think that, that the word will is, uh, is not fluffy. It is a very direct statement that is true. If it worked for anyone, if, it, if this book is true for any singular person on earth, it is true for every person on earth because of what it is, what it's claimed to be. It's claimed to be a record of a people that lived on the American continent and Christ's visit to those people. If that's true for you, it is true for me. I don't get to choose, well, not for me. It can be fine, you believe what you want, but it's not true for me. It's just not, it, it is either true or it's not true. When Christ comes back, with all the different faiths that will be on the earth at the same time, he will say, either the Book of Mormon is true or the Book of Mormon is not true. There won't be this, okay, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you come over here now, you had this belief in the Book of Mormon. Let's teach you about how, how good that was, but, but you know, there's some things that, it's either true or it's not true, right? That there's nothing in between on it, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a pretty, pretty powerful uh, invitation to read the Book of Mormon, ponder it, pray about it, and you'll gain a testimony that it's true Yeah. if you're doing it with faith. Yeah, I would just add two things to that. I love that there isn't a timeline. Yeah. It doesn't say you're going to know the first time. Yeah. He doesn't say you're going to know the tenth time. Yeah. It just says you will know. And I think that's really special because there are some people that were born just knowing. Yeah. It's just in their soul. They just know. And there, there was a super sweet guy in my ward two, two fast Sundays ago or something that got up and he said, I'd read the Book of Mormon before my mission. And I didn't know, but I went on my mission. And he said, I read the Book of Mormon three times on my mission before I gained a witness. He said, I was testifying. Mm. I was trying so hard and I didn't think it was wrong, but I had not received my personal witness that it was true till I'd read it three times and been on my mission 18 months. Mm. You know how many people he probably baptized in South America <laughs> in 18 months testifying of a book that he, he thought was probably true but hadn't really received his own witness? I just am so grateful that the wording is clear but that there's also not some some deadline on it that yeah, says, rigid but if structure. you don't know by the time you're this age, right. if you don't know the first time yeah. you read it, you failed or something like that. Yeah. I also love the article of faith that says that we believe the scriptures to be the word of God mm -hmm. as far as they've been translated correctly and, and that this book is true mm -hmm. and it is a witness of God and I also will love to hear Jesus teach us about it. Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. I think it would cool. be really, really cool. Again, I, th I think the very last paragraph, uh, there's some, uh, some other promises that are made. If I gain a testimony of the Book of Mormon, this last paragraph tells me what other things I would know, mm -hmm. right? By the power of the Holy Ghost, I will also know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. That Joseph Smith is his revelator and prophet in these last days, restoring the church to this earth, right? And that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the kingdom once again established on the earth. If the Book of Mormon's true, those are the things that came from the Book of Mormon, and so those things also must be true. Mm -hmm. so, so you don't have to live near Joseph. You don't have to have known Joseph to know if Joseph was a prophet and to know what, 
what works came from his hands. This is it. Yeah. And this is what a wonderful thing that God established and set apart so that so many in our day could know. Now, I have someone in my life who, who is a very beloved person who just posed the question the other day, um, what if, wh why are there not so, why was the church not very large? Well, I mean, if this is God's church, then why is it not very big? And why, why are we only dealing with like millions of people when there's billions and billions of people on the earth? And I, I kicked that around. I went to some scriptures in the Book of Mormon that talk about latter days and how the church will be few. And, but, but ultimately, the, the answer is it doesn't really matter how big Christ's church is on the earth. For sure, it's bigger now than it was in its heyday in his day, right? For sure, there are more members of the church on earth today than there ever have been, maybe in the history of the earth. But it doesn't really matter because ultimately we are all going to be blessed by the same church, right? That there were only 12 brothers originally, the 12 tribes. Why only one little tiny family of all the families, right? You could ask the same question there. Um, but, but ultimately, if the church is true in its small and, and uh, condensed form, then all of these other things are true and join the group. Mm -hmm. Join in. Be part of it, right? Yeah. And small is relative. Yeah. Right? Like how many millions of members do we have? Yeah, I think 17, 18, somewhere in there. <laughs> it's such <laughs> it's, a small number, yeah. which I get it. I grew up in Southern Oregon. Uh -huh. There were not very many. I mean, for Oregon, my yeah. hometown did have a good amount of members. Sure. But when I say a good amount, that meant like two in my grade. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like 15 in my high school. Like sure. That's pretty good. Yeah. But 2,500 kids in my high school. Yeah. So I think I get it. I remember feeling so outnumbered yeah. by so many other people but when i hmm. when i think about the total total number of members i'm like oh yeah. it's like when the president monson story when he's the video about him being in the military oh yeah, yeah. and they call all the religions and they ask him i think he said he's a mormon right. which we don't say that anymore <laughs> and he heard all these people behind him it's like we're not actually alone but sometimes it does feel like that sometimes yeah. it feels really isolating yeah. But what a powerful book to have that talks about so many people that felt the same way. Well, and isn't that the isn't that the way that the Lord's church would be too, the underdog, right? That yet that is building hundreds of temples to do millions of names to mm -hmm. to gather entire generations and all of the people of God's of, of God all of God's children, mm -hmm. um, and and that is how. Christ's church would do it, and it would be the underdog church always, right? But it's like such a fake underdog story because we've been promised that God's right. going to prevail. <laughs> so, like, we look like, oh, no, Ooh, are they going to take are. it? And God's like, I told you already, yeah. but, like, you can take the fame if you yeah. want. Like, we can make this look really cool, but, I love it. I love it. but we cool. already know. I love it. Okay, so introductory page uh, covered. Check that box. Um, now we're into the testimony of the, the three witnesses, the eight witnesses, and then Joseph's testimony. And um, I, I mean, we could spend a whole, it's probably, it's a, a whole episode to talk about each one of those. Yeah. So this I'm actually, I think I'm most excited about this part of the conversation, although I've loved everything we've talked about sure, so far. Sure. Um, the testimonies, we have so many people on these pages. So we have the three witnesses, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitner, and Martin Harris. Mm -hmm. And we can maybe talk a little bit about the role that each of those men played. Sure. And then we have the eight, witness, eight witnesses, which this, that one is the shortest, and it's actually one of my favorites mm -hmm. because of all the people in that group. So if you look at who they are, 
it's like a ton of the Whitmers. Mm -hmm. Hiram Page, Joseph Smith Sr., Hiram Smith, and Samuel Smith. So it's mostly the Smith family, mm -hmm. the Whitmer family, and then Hiram Page. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have, obviously, the testimony of Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. So before we jump totally into it, um, if you wouldn't mind just talking about those three, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris, and their roles yeah. in, in the restoration and yeah. their relation to Joseph. Yeah, you know, each of them has a, a story that would be worth your time to go in and look at. I, I might say um, Susan Easton Black has a wonderful book mm -hmm. um, called Who's Who in the Doctrine and Covenants that goes person by person listed in the Doctrine and Covenants and tells their whole entire story, as much as we know about those people. Um, and so Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer and Martin Harris are three that I would just invite a whole bunch of study um, to, uh, to, to, to really understand them. You know, they were living at a time where the church hadn't been on the earth. I think it's really easy for us in our day to look back at men who didn't fully understand, who were given some pretty massive experiences, um, who stepped away for some period of time, maybe, maybe for some of them for the rest of their lives, um, never denying, never, never um, putting away their experience they had here uh, and the testimony that they gave, um, but struggling with the concepts that um, there was a prophet mm -hmm. now and that that prophet was to lead and that you couldn't usurp the prophet's authority and God was going to speak through that person and not others, um, that a, a prophet will not lead the people astray, but he is not infallible. Um, those were the issues, I think, that, that these men had, whether it was the bank that, that fell apart or it was just some in, individual issue that they had with Joseph. Um, so many of them missed the message of the gospel and the restoration by thinking that it mattered what the man was. And they missed the, the message of, of Mormon, really, in the Book of Mormon. And, um, and so rather than, rather than detailing each of those guys, I would just say um, that, that their experience uh, to see uh, with their own eyes uh, brought to them by uh, an angel and shown the record is something that, that if you made it up, if you were telling stories, you would have uh, fallen, uh, sorry, you would have, you would have, definitely walked away from that testimony if you fell out of favor with Joseph and all of the rest of the thing was a make, made up story, especially because all of them by the end of their lives had stepped away significantly. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing in me, if I was making up a story 20 years ago and got some people to believe it, and now I've got, I'm at odds with the people that I was in cahoots with then, there's nothing in me that would, have, would, would stand by that mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, they didn't all leave, and, and this is kind of speaking to all of these, whether it's the three witnesses or the eight witnesses, they didn't all leave forever. For example, Martin Harris. Um, Martin Harris came back late in his life. Yeah, Utah. Um, yeah, really a beautiful story uh, where he comes back and is forgiven and, and uh, just a really, really tender uh, experience. He stayed in Kirtland and as the groundskeeper of the temple there, even after all the saints had left and it was kind of being run over and taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, so some just some really beautiful things there. Elder Oaks um, has, because Martin Harris is an ancestor of his, speaks highly of Martin Harris. Yeah. Um, Dallin H. Oaks is Harris Oaks. So 
uh, his, his namesake is, uh, is an important one for him and I think should be for all of us. So while, we, while it's easy to look at um, their stories and be judgmental, I think, of, of what they did or what they didn't do, um, I think that that they stuck to their testimonies clear to the end uh, was significant. There's a lot of story that we could get into about how the three witnesses became the three witnesses, that, that one of them had to step away for a little while and, and didn't feel like he was totally worthy and that was what was keeping the, the experience from happening. I mean, that's all stuff in your own personal study I hope that you find. Um, it, it really doesn't matter to me so much the detail as it does that an angel came and an angel showed them the record, and that is the record that they give. Um, in fact, I'll just read a little section here. It says, um, We declare with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven, and he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereon, and we know that it is by the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ that we beheld and bear record that these things are true. And it is marvelous in our eyes. So, that to the end, to the end of each of their lives, they held to that testimony and none of, none of them recanted or backed away from it. And I think that's a significant statement there. So does that, does that help us in the three witnesses at least? Yeah, and I think um, as I look at those names, they were all helpers. Yeah. Oliver was Joseph's right-hand man. Yep. He was there for a good chunk, mm -hmm. if not most of, the translation of the Book of Mormon, sure. assisting in that. Yeah. He was a teacher by profession and mm -hmm. walked away from that yep. to assist David Whitmer's family, they are my favorite. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to have favorites, but they are. <laughs> and they opened their home mm -hmm. to Joseph and Oliver to translate a, a very large majority yeah. of the Book of Mormon in their home. Um, they're just, they were all helpers, yeah. and they all gave up a, a lot in yeah. their life during the restoration, the early restoration, to assist in in this movement, I'm pretty sure Martin Harrison, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he is the one that assisted most with the printing press and in mm -hmm. the actual happenings of getting yeah, the book the costs, more printed. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, Mortgaged his house and, and those like types Like so of much sacrifice yeah. and... They knew the Book of Mormon was true. Mm -hmm. They they knew it. And then we look at the testimony of the eight, and I, I love that so many of the Whitmers got to see it. Mm -hmm. um, and even more Whitmers were witnesses but aren't necessarily listed here. Mm -hmm. um, they uh, opened their home yeah. that did not have space. There was not extra room there. Yeah. The parents, I, I mean, just the miracles. If I could just share one miracle mm -hmm. from the Whitmer family, mm -hmm. um, I went to Palmyra earlier this year and got to go to all these places. All the places where the Book of Mormon was written, I was I attended. I oh. went to Pennsylvania and cool. Palmyra and was there. And and my eyes, I knew the stories. And I, I didn't think I was going to have that much of an experience, mm -hmm. which is terrible. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't think that being in the places would change what I already knew to be true. Mm -hmm. And that's mostly true. But when I stepped onto the Whitmer farm... I was shocked at how strong the spirit was. Almost stronger to me than when I was in the sacred grove, mm. which is shocking. Mm -hmm. But the Whitmer family, every single one of them, sacrificed for someone that was pretty much a stranger mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And the miracles that happened, like the, the farming all being done in the middle of the night yeah. so that they could host 
mm-hmm. this this prophet is pretty incredible, and they they were able to witness that. And most of the Whitmers stayed active. Mm-hmm. They yeah. did not leave, and I think. They knew Joseph was a prophet of God. And I also think before they knew Joseph, they were Christians. Mm-hmm. They were German by descent, um, which I just love because in our minds, I think, and knowing German culture, that's not normally like a culture that's super warm and sure. inviting. Sure. But they invited Joseph in. Yeah. And they had to have been Christians that knew Christ and knew that that they were to take care of their neighbor. Yeah. And... And I love, just like we talked about Paul in the New Testament, how he knew Christ. I really think the Whitmers knew Christ. And they could testify of the Book of Mormon with ease because they knew it was a testament of Jesus Christ. Similarly to the testimony of Joseph. Joseph's testimony is really long. It's like one, two, three, four, full page. Mm -hmm. Three? Three full pages. Three full pages. And so much of it is simply testifying of Jesus Christ and the Father mm-hmm. and how their reality changed eternity yeah. for Joseph and his immediate family, but all of us and yeah. our families. Yeah. Um, it changed the history of everything. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective because I think, again, it's so easy to look at early saints who didn't do it perfectly and look back with our very much ingrained in the church mindset and think, why were you so silly? Why did you not, right? And, and they just had no foundation. There was nothing underneath them. And unless they were really willing to just build on Joseph and whatever Joseph said, they struggled. And I think that's what was going on. They just were struggling sometimes back and forth. Um, but like you said, most of them uh, passed away either as a member of the church, um, but all of them passed away um, sustaining their testimony here. Right, and just good people that were salt of the earth, helpful, mm-hmm. and they necessary. They gave so much. Right, yeah. I mean, how much of them really gave everything? Yeah. Things could have gone terribly for Martin Harris. Yeah. I mean, like, so bad. Yeah. He, like, gave truly everything yeah. to a printing press that could have, like, it could have been so, <laughs> so bad. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And Oliver walking away from a, a career and, and yeah. David putting his family on the line. Like and these not. men were not just giving like 10%. Right. They gave everything because they knew this book would change. I don't think they totally understood actually, mm-hmm. but I think they knew enough to trust that Joseph knew that this book would change the history of forever. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for their testimonies of this book and and of Jesus Christ, and that that when we read it, we can come to know Him, yeah. and that when they read it, they came to know Him. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Becca. Thank you for the for that testimony. I, I think that's the right way to address um, these uh, these people, right? I, I think their, their witness, the testimony, is so solid. Uh, they again, they didn't back away from them clear to the end of their lives, and they had ample opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in and of itself, that should be enough for you and I to be like, okay, there's something here. Um, but but then to look at what they did give up and how much they were invested for so long in their lives mm-hmm. that they struggled a little bit. Well, you and I struggle quite a bit too, and lots of different things, and and we have a whole bunch of foundation underneath us that we can fall back on when we don't know some answers here and there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, can I take us into the, the testimony of the Prophet Joseph? And, yeah. and I'm going to do this in just kind of a different way. Um, I, again, I, I don't intend to read this for you or to you as a listener. I think there's plenty in here for you to go and, and dig in and find yourself. But, but I'm going to tell you to read this, really read this, because there's so much more in here <clears throat> that clarifies what the Joseph Smith history section uh, brings up or alludes yeah. to. But then I'm going to invite you to do one more when you read this and go and study uh, the first volume of the Saints book because so much of the story, when I, this is one of my favorite things to teach um, because so much of the story is just alluded to here, right? He, he says, when I, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what paragraph I'm in because I don't even know. Um, but towards the end, I don't know, five or six paragraphs from the end, it says, I made an attempt to take them out, but was forbidden by the messenger and was again informed that the time for bringing them forth had not yet arrived, neither would it until four years from that time. So then it, then it says, accordingly, as I was commanded, I went to the end of each year and each time found the same messenger and received instruction and intelligence. Time was not right. I shouldn't take them out. It's in four years, right? That's kind of all we get. Well, if you, if you study what was going on in Joseph's life and the reasons he was told not to take them out of the ground, um, there are very specific things Joseph was to learn. And the, I, one of my favorites is um, in his mind at one point, one of the years, he gets there and he's thinking about the value of this, this gold that's buried. He knows right where it is. And when he gets there, he's thinking that through. And... Um, he immediately, Moroni just shocks him. I mean, it's like this massive shock when he reaches in to grab these. And, and you think about, well, okay, it, it, on, on the surface, that's like, nope, not time. But, but if you're Moroni and you literally watched everybody you love and know die so that you could save that record, and that was your whole, the, you probably died protecting that record, right? Yeah. And now you're standing above this, like, I don't know, 16, 18-year-old boy who's reaching in trying to get this, this gold. Yeah, you're going to shock that kid, right? I mean, like, so my, my reason for bringing it up here is I think in your study of Joseph, too many of the members of the church read the first account. And not, not that it's bad. This is the one that was given, right? This is the one that was put in the scriptures for us as the account, right? Mm -hmm. As the prophet's testimony. But like we said before, if I really want to get to know Joseph, I need to understand his whole experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, one year he was told that he needs to come with someone, but he doesn't say who. And for sure in his mind, it's his brother, right? But... But by the end of that year, it's not his brother, right? And we'll learn later who that is. But, but again, I just really would invite you to take the time to go and to study Joseph's life. You don't have to read the whole saint's book. It's really long and big. But within the first couple of chapters, you'll get all of the time and experience that Joseph was having around his testimony here. And I think it is just so important to understand all that because without it, we have a sliver of the picture and we don't fully understand why for four years he couldn't get it. Um, he's not lying here. He, he just was told it's not time. But there's a reason it wasn't time and there's a reason every year that it wasn't time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's taught that very directly and that's a period of, of really learning for him, right, where he was really going through it. So that's my invitation here. There's so much... Uh, to see for a complete account, it says even at the end of it, see Joseph Smith history and the Pearl of Great Price. 
Um, but, but this has some things that are maybe not so clearly articulated in that and vice versa, right? Yeah. And if you're looking for another resource, the, all the church history sites in Palmyra in Pennsylvania, and I think all of them in the church in general, mm -hmm. but the ones in Palmyra are the ones that are referenced here in this part of the story, all have virtual tours where mm -hmm. the missionaries teach this stuff and talk oh. about those stories. And I had heard that story about the money but hearing the sister missionaries teach that his family needed money really bad. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even an unrighteous desire. No. He saw his family struggling and he thought, I we need this. this money. And then to say, nope, your heart's not ready. It wasn't even in a bad spot. Yep. You had good intentions, yep. but it wasn't the right intentions because it wasn't the intentions of the Lord. Yep. And so um, they're not long and they walk you through all the sites. It's actually... It, it, I was just there. The videos look like exactly when I was there. Cool. They're just normal sister missionaries, but it's almost more easy. I think for some people, if you're going to teach your family, you have kids, you're teaching Sunday school, those are great videos yeah. for the introduction week to just say, here's some background. This is where Joseph was. This is what was happening for him. Um, so would you suggest going like a Google search to the Palmyra um Palmyra Visitor Centers Visitor Center. or whatever the website is where you can see their hours yeah. and then they have all the videos there. Oh, you can cool. also just go to YouTube and look sure. up like yeah. LDS yeah. Um, Church History Tour yeah. Palmyra Great. and it should come up there. Yeah, I love that. I, I uh, Again, I, we want to be a resource to you. We don't want to be the, the resource and so hopefully you'll take uh, some things that we've said here and, and go and do some more study. Actually have a study in the scriptures this year. That's, that's our intent. Uh, we want to guide you a little bit, maybe here and there, and give you some thoughts and some things to consider. But, but really, we want you to to learn to become a student of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, it really is a, a big component of what I get to do. And, and maybe I'll just take a minute here. I know we're towards the end here. Um, you know, in in the church, the the church doesn't need another podcast. And uh, there are plenty of people out there putting podcasts together. But what we found in doing this is we've we've been able to to kind of hit a different market that um, that those of you that are listening are probably within. There are uh, the occasional 30-plus um, person listening, but generally we are hitting an audience that's 18 to 32 years old, and that's the young adult age that the Institute is wanting uh, us to, to promote to and to, to address to. Our purpose in this uh, podcast is to give you some resources but more so to have a discussion about what we see as teachers of young adults that is relevant in the scriptures so that when the young adults turn to the scriptures, they're guided a little bit more to some things that maybe are applicable to them. Not that the Spirit wouldn't come and teach you directly for you, um, but, but maybe there are some things, and, and that's our hope kind of every, every episode, is to find a few things that are relevant to young adults in particular because they're dealing with some different things than I dealt with when I was a young person. And, uh, and so the hope is to, to help kind of funnel some things towards young adults here. Um, if you're an older person listening, we welcome you. You're welcome to stay. We want you. In fact, um, our, our institute uh, director is super old. He's like, oh, he's bald and he's old. And he's you're just, terrible. And he's listening right now, Are I'm sure. Are you guys sure. the same age? <laughs> yeah, we're like the same yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but so there are there, there are those of us that are not uh, in the in the young adult stage uh, that listen and, and I think that's wonderful, um, but uh, 
but I, I do think our purpose is really to help the young adults. And, and generally, Seminary and Institute is, is seeing this as a benefit, I think, in uh, the Institute programs from around the world, actually. So with that, uh, Becca, you are the current Institute Council President for the Boise Nampa Institute. Yep. And I think that what a more fitting opportunity for you uh, to take a moment and talk to all of our listeners right now. Uh, about what you hope for them as they study the Book of Mormon, what you see as relevant to young adults, whatever you feel like your message should be to them. Why don't you take the last few minutes here and just and share some thoughts? Perfect. Um, as I was thinking this last week in general, not in relation to the podcast, but that that thought, what do the young adults need and how can I yeah. how can I facilitate that is on my mind more than I ever thought it would be, even with this calling. Um, I've been overwhelmed at that question a lot. Uh, I spend a lot of time in prayer considering it. And um, this fast and testimony meeting, I was uh, prayerful about that same question as I often have found myself in the last few months since I've had this calling. Um, but this year in the New Testament, I've come back to the same thing. Or, well, I guess it'll be last year when you're listening to this. But in 2023, my goal was to help young adults find the Savior mm -hmm. every day and to have a relationship with Him and to know Him. And I think the same goes for this year in the Book of Mormon. My question is how do we help young adults find Christ in every page of the Book of Mormon and every season of their life in every day and in every moment, right? And so as I was considering the, the specific question about the Book of Mormon, I, I found three ways. The easy way to find Christ in the Book of Mormon is to go straight to 3rd Nephi sure. and to read what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like when, mm -hmm. I need, when I need a good study, I'm going straight to 3rd Nephi mm -hmm. because it's Jesus. How could you go wrong? Right. And then I think if you step it up one, one notch, you're just going to go to where the prophets testify of Christ mm -hmm. and listen to what they're saying about him. What do they know? that I don't, and how can I implement that into my life? Mm. And then I think if we really take it all the way, we read our scriptures every day, yeah. and we look for truths about Christ, we look for what He is saying explicitly, we look to what the prophets are saying, but even more so, we let our study govern how we live our life. Mm -hmm. And um, we look for Him every day, not just in our study, but I testify that when you're in the Book of Mormon every day, it becomes easier to find him everywhere. Mm. Um, the, the church's resources are, are so vast. And um, in one of their resources, in, it's an archived content, Come Follow Me, the Book of Mormon for 2020. Mm -hmm. The introductory materials have the prophetic promises of the Book of Mormon from the Prophet Joseph, mm. Ezra Taft Benson, President Gordon B. Hingley. Russell M. Nelson. Hmm. So it has all of these people. And there are even more, right? You can look at President Monson's promises hmm. as, as you read the Book of Mormon. But I just want to read President Nelson's testimony of what will happen as we read the scriptures. Hmm. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life. I promise that as you daily immerse yourself in the Book of Mormon, you can be immunized, immunized? Mm -hmm. against the evils of the day, 
even, even the gripping plague of pornography and other mind-numbing addictions. That's a really unique promise compared to some of the others. Um, just in contrast, President Monson testifies that we'll hear the voice of the Spirit, we'll resist temptation, overcome doubt and fear, and receive heaven's help. Mm. They're actually really similar. Yeah. Um, when we have those gifts, those blessings that the prophets are talking about, those are in direct correlation to our relationship with Christ. Mm. When we hear the voice of the Spirit or the voice of the Lord, we come to know him, what he sounds like. We are quicker to act when we hear it. When we resist temptation, we are more able mm. to talk to him. Yeah. When we overcome doubt and fear, there is less room in between us and him. Mm-hmm. And when we receive heaven's help, that's, that is directly correlated, right? Mm. And so I think if I could just encourage, invite, testify, whatever you want to say, the young adults in particular, I just testify that Christ is in this book and I understand that it can be hard. I really do. There are so many days where I get into my bed and I realize I have not read the Book of Mormon today. Mm-hmm. I've read the New Testament. I've read whatever I'm supposed to teach because I'm in the scriptures mm-hmm. every day. But that personal study, I get it. I get being exhausted. I get not knowing it. I don't. I get not understanding. I, I, I wish I could truly have you understand how much I, I really get it. Um, but I have also found that when I make the choice to be in the scriptures every day, specifically the Book of Mormon, that I have heard the voice of the Lord, that I can resist temptation, that I've personally overcome doubt and fear, and that I have received heaven's help. And I know that that same thing can happen for all of you because I'm not special. Mm. I'm, I'm a normal person Mm -hmm. that has received the blessings that so many prophets of old and of new have have promised us and i'm excited for each of you to be in the book of mormon every day this year if you live in boise our stake presidency has invited us to do that i'm sure if you live across the world you've had similar invitations from your local leaders but that when you do you'll find christ Mm -hmm. in every single page and in every story he's there and he's ready for you to to find him and to build a relationship with him. Love it. Becca, thank you. I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, I want to have you back on towards the end of the semester, and I want you to give a report on how you've seen not just Christ of the Book of Mormon for yourself, but how you've seen other young adults find him as you've helped and been in the process of trying to assist in that over the course of the semester. If you'd be willing to come back and do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I need to start a little note in my phone so that'd I don't great. forget. Um, the, the other thing, and then I'll just, I'll just close with this. I, I so love that invitation and that witness from you. I, the thought keeps coming to my mind that we can each have our own witness. We can each write our own witness, the testimony of Matt's witness, right? I mean, why yes. is that not in my scriptures? Why don't I have that here? <clears throat> I received the Book of Mormon in a very specific way. That I sat on it for 30 years and did nothing with it is part of my story, right? That, that I can write that down and say, I just didn't do much. I was raised in the church and I didn't have whatever, right? It, but, but what would it look like for the testimony of the three witnesses and the testimony of the eight witnesses and the testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith turned the page, the testimony of Matt Swenson, what would that testimony read? It would probably be longer than the, than the, than the testimony of the eight witnesses, right? Because I've had some experiences that have taught me. But if I can, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, say, I give my name unto the world to witness unto the world that which I have seen, and I lie not, God bearing witness of it. 
What a powerful experience that could be for each of us to end the year by writing our own witness of the Book of Mormon after we've gained it ourselves or regained it again this year, right? And I love that Christ ought to be right in the middle of that witness. Mm -hmm. In these, Christ was there, right? The angel comes and testifies of Christ. Uh, Joseph sees Christ. He's, it's, he's, he's all over in the middle of this, and I'm so grateful for him. So, Becca, thank you. Sister Harvey, it's so good to have you, and uh, just appreciate all that you do at the Institute. You are uh, a fixture there, and we're grateful <laughs> for you there. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, we'll have you next time. Okay, sounds good. See ya. Bye. Bye.